Good morning, world. The time is 10 a.m. The voice you are hearing is that of Lady Heart, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me here on the First Lady's Hat. It's about 10 a.m. in the morning, right around that time that you're taking your mid-morning break. So you know how we do it. What I want you to do is go ahead and put up that good old Baptist finger and excuse yourself. Go get your fruit. Go get your coffee. Go get your snack. Let's settle in. Let's settle down for a few moments of encouragement together. I'm so happy that you decided to join me here on the First Lady's Hat. And I want to let you know that the First Lady's Hat is where we take a look at life through the eyes of the First Lady, where we are building an engaging community just for you, just for me, just for us. And when I say just for us, I mean First Ladies. So what we want to do right now, before we get into anything today is take a moment for thanks. It's always a proper time to give God thanks for all that he has done. So let's just start with that. Lord, thank you for allowing us to see this day. It is a beautiful day to be in your presence. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the pastors. Thank you for their first ladies. And thank you for their leadership teams who labor in the vineyards, in your vineyards every day. We pray your blessing of power, productivity, and prosperity over this day in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say again that you are listening to the voice of Lady Heart here on the First Lady's Hat on 98.7 FM. So I want to just dive right into a couple of things. Number one, what is a First Lady? I get um, asked that question very often. I'm faced with it all the time. I go out into professional settings. I go out into events. And as a representative of our church, Spiritfield Family Church International, um, people ask me, what do I do? So I say, I work for the church. And they say, well, what do you do there? Well, I have two titles. My first title is first lady. My second title is executive pastor. But I tell them I'm a first lady. And a lot of people, even those in the church say, what is that. So let's start with a very simple definition. The Webster's Dictionary defines a first lady as the wife of an executive of a country or a jurisdiction. It also defines a first lady as the leading woman in a particular activity or profession. Now, what we have to understand is that the country or jurisdiction is the church. So when we talk about a first lady, we are not married to a chief executive of a country, but we are married to the chief executive of the church. So that's where we derive our position from. And then you are the leading woman in a particular activity or profession. Now, being married to the chief executive of the church, you automatically become the leading woman in almost every activity and in your particular profession. Some people don't look at being a first lady as a profession. Well, and that's okay because some first ladies do not do anything professionally. But just from my point of view and from others who are like me, we do have a professional side and we do have an aspect of ministry where we need to exercise that profession. So we're very excited 
about being able to define and tell the world about the distinct position of a first lady. Another definition of a first lady is quite simply a title that is reserved for the singular, the only woman that is married to the senior pastor of a church. I want to say that again. A first lady is a title that is reserved for the singular woman that is married to the senior pastor of a church. I've been to churches where they have had several first ladies because they have several pastors and there's nothing wrong with that if that's how your senior pastor rolls. But what it does is that it takes away from the position of the lady or the woman who is singularly married to the pastor. So if your pastor invokes that, then that's fine. But I want to let you know that the title of a first lady is supposed to be reserved for the woman who is sing- the singular woman who is married to the senior pastor of a church. And so let me tell you a little bit about my experience as being a first lady. My experience is that when I have gone out into the world and I have told people that I am a first lady, what oftentimes happens is that they say, well, what is a first lady? What is that? And then I have to explain who I am and what I do. And then the other thing that oftentimes happens is that they say, well, you are not the president's wife. How many people have been faced with that? You are not the president's wife. Well, I think I'm privy to that information. I think I would know if I was married to the president. But the thing is, is that as we learned, a leading lady or a first lady is not just a president's wife. It is any woman who is leading in a particular activity or profession or a woman who is married to the chief executive. So I've had to defend my title as a first lady. And then not only have I had to defend it to people in um, a professional environment, but I've had to defend it against people in the church who maintain the notion that the church cannot grow or the church cannot expand that what Jesus um, set forth in the beginning, that it does not grow. It does not change with time. It is a static institution. Well, if that were the case, we would serve a static God. And the, the problem is, is that our God cannot be defined by our limitations. If he wants to grow, if he wants to change, if he wants to improve upon, then he certainly has the right to do that. He's sovereign. That's who our God is. He's just sovereign like that. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. And so it's so important for us to remember that in God's sovereignty, yes, he does change with the times. And by that, I don't mean that he changes because he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. But what he does is as we progress as a human race, he progresses with us and he releases releases more to us. Therefore, we came from the stone age into the iron age, into the age of fire. Well, fire came before iron, but we came, we progressed through these different ages, through the industrial age. And now we're into the technology age because he released an increase in knowledge. So why would he release an increase in knowledge everywhere, but in the church? Why would he expand everywhere, but in the church? So 
just in my mind, it doesn't make sense. The argument doesn't make sense that there is no place for a first lady. In that case, the clergy would never expand in its duties, the the clergy as a whole. And so I take ownership of the term first lady. We should take ownership of the term first lady and we should be committed to telling the world or exposing the world to what we do and how we do it. And I just want to encourage you that there are no two first ladies who are exactly alike. So if you're trying to pattern yourself after somebody, if you're trying to emulate somebody else's technique or journey as a first lady, you're going to find some problems. You have to find your own path. You have to go through your own journey of discovery to figure out who you are as a first lady. So then another question that I get is how did you become a first lady? Well, it's a complex thing, you know, um, in my journey, I have discovered that there are some women who seek out the position of first lady. But most of us who end up as a first lady, we don't seek it out. We know that God has big plans for us. We know that God is going to use us in a mighty and miraculous way. Normally, we will get a word from somebody saying that there is a plan for your husband and yourself, that God is going to use you together as a great and grand and marvelous couple. He's going to you know, do exploits in your life. We get that kind of revelation from a prophet or, or, or a pastor as we are going along our journey in life. But then there just comes a day where it's like a shift happens, right? So if that's ever happened to you, I would love if you would get in contact with me and let me know that. But there comes a day when a shift happens. And our shift was we were just going about our everyday life. We were going about our normal lives. My husband and I, we had um, good jobs. We had job security. And it wasn't a minimum wage job. We were getting paid well at the jobs that we were at. We had also created um, a business. Um, my husband, as you guys know, Michael Hart, Apostle Michael Hart, he is a, an awesome singer. And um, we had a record label called Spirit Filled Records. And so we were deriving our income from both of our jobs and our record label. And so after that, after a while of doing both both of those things, we realized that it was time for us to come off of the job. So we both came off the job and we started working solely for Spirit Field Records. And we were going through our journey with that. And we were actually quite successful. We were poised for national and international distribution. And then my husband got this urge inside himself one day. Has your husband ever gotten an urge inside himself? An urge from the spirit of God I'm talking about. Has he ever gotten an urge where he had to take some time with God? So my husband did that. And when he took that time with God, he came back and he said, I am supposed to be a pastor. My whole continence changed. We were successful in what we were doing. We had four children with one on the way. How could you say that right now is the time for you to be a pastor? That's not fair. But nonetheless, he decided that now was the time for us to fulfill the calling of God. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. 
There I was being acknowledged as the first lady. It took no more than a couple of months from us to transition from doing music to walking in full-time ministry. One day, my home office was set up to produce radio, uh, not radio, but music. And then the next day, my contacts lists changed from entertainers to and radio personalities to pastors and people we had met in the street. <laughs> People my husband had met in the street at Walmart. If you if you have ever seen my husband at Walmart, let me get a whoop whoop right there. But um, that was how our life changed. And suddenly I'm a first lady and it was a totally new and foreign experience. And then something very strange happened to me, something that I had never experienced before. Um, not in this fashion. I began to experience feelings of inadequacy. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit today while I still have your ear. Inadequacy. It's the lack of the quantity or quality required or the inability to deal with a situation or with life. And that's what I felt. In my professional life, I never had a problem with inadequacy. I knew I was adequate. I knew that I had went to school for what I wanted to do in life. I knew that I was good at what I wanted to do in life. I knew that I was educated. I knew that I had the skills, the managerial skills to accomplish the task. But when it was time to transition those skills over to ministry, I started to deal with the feeling that what I had was not enough. And the truth is, it wasn't. And the truth of the matter is, as a first lady, nobody has a manual. Nobody had a manual for me that I could sit down and read and know all the steps and all the situations that I would encounter. And what I found is that I was not able to adequately deal with the situations that I was encountering in life, just in my life in that very moment. And the crazy thing about God is that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always on your side. He is always working on your behalf. He is always speaking well over you as a first lady, as anybody in general. But as a first lady, you are exactly where you are supposed to be, despite the feeling of inadequacy. And so a lot of times we want to we tend to shrink back because we don't feel like we have the knowledge to deal with what it is that we are facing at that present moment. It was crazy. All of a sudden, ladies were asking me questions I did not know the answer to. People were expecting me to do certain things that I had not been trained in. People were expecting me to be this great and fabulous orator. Now, I have always been a teacher, but I've never necessarily been an orator, able to speak before the congregation or able to speak in large forums. And so the inadequacy set in. I began to deal with a lot of stuff emotionally. And as a first lady, I know that some of us deal with things 
emotionally. Okay. The transition from workplace to ministry can be hard. The transition from private to public can be hard. You have your private life where you're able to do what you want to do, how you want to do it. And then now all of a sudden you are thrust into the public eye where people are taking notice of everything you do, how you dress, how you wear your hair, how you raise your kids, how you address people, how you speak to people, what decisions you make, what type of car do you drive or don't you drive? Do you exercise? Do you cook? What is your personal life at like at home with your husband when it's really none of your business, but you still get the question anyway, you know? And so it was really hard to make that transition. And so my work experience didn't necessarily matter when I transitioned into being a first lady, as I know some of you have experienced. It doesn't matter when you transition into being a first lady, your degrees do not matter. Your managerial positions do not matter. Your work experience does not matter. How many people you oversaw at that very moment, it does not matter. When I transitioned or when we transitioned over into ministry, all that we had learned, all that we learned in the past does not apply at that present moment. I could not effectively translate it. It frustrated me. It infuriated me. It made me sad in my heart. And I really thought that it was hard to get from one point to another. You know, when you're out there in the in the professional world, you can just say, hey, do this or do that. And a lot of times it gets done. You can say, I need this or I need that. And it manifests instantly because you have those professional relationships. Well, that didn't translate over to ministry. I would say I need this or I need that. And it wouldn't come until weeks, months, or probably even years till after I had originally asked for it, you know, and so you would sell, tell people to do certain things and they just wouldn't want to do it for whatever reason. So what God had to do for me is he had to work some things out in me before he could use anything that he previously put in me. Okay. I want to say that again. God had to work some things out in me before he could use anything he previously put in me. The same way God has to work some things out in you before he can use anything he previously put in you. It's not that you're inadequate. It's just that some things have to be worked out. God has to make the connection from your professional life into your ministerial life. You can't do it. If you try to just jump the bridge, if you try to just jump the, the, the river, you're going to find yourself overcome. And so God has to work some things out in you before you can actually make that transition. Everything that is already in you is what you need to successfully do your job. Everything that he put in you along your journey to this point is what you need to successfully do your job as a first lady. It's all that you need. But unless God does the work in that transition, unless God takes on the process that you are going through unless he had unless he heads up that transition, then he can't use anything that he previously put in you. One of the things that God had to work on me with is compassion. I am the type of person who 
Let's just get it done. It's no need to lollygag with things. It's no need to play around with things. Let's just do things. Let's get from point A to point B. Don't play with it. Just do it. And when you're working in a professional setting, a lot of people have that have that mindset because their paycheck depends on it. But when you're in a ministerial setting, what ends up happening is that your heart gets strained because you can't necessarily understand why people People are going through what they are going through. You're not compassionate. I was not compassionate to where they were and what they were doing. I felt like life was simple and that people were complicating it more than it had to be complicated. But what God told me is that, daughter, I need to work on your compassion. You need to have compassion for my people. You need to view my people the way that I view my people. The way that you view my people is tainted. The way that you view my people is through a lens that has been colored by your own life. And what you need to do is you need to take off those colored glasses and you need to see them purely how I see them. I see them in a better state than where they are. I see you. God sees you in a better state than where you are. So I just want to take that moment to encourage you that God sees you in a better state than where you are. You might see yourself in one place, but God sees you in a different place. I might see you in one place, but God can see further than what you can see. And that is such a great and awesome point bit to know. That is so great to know that God sees us better than we see ourselves. One of the things that God also had to work with me on was um, my relationships. And so previously in my personal life, I was able to have my family. I was able to have a few very close friends. And then I had my business relationships where I did not have to see you or talk to you till the next time we met. And that really worked out good for me. I could manage that. But when it was time for ministry, what ended up happening is that God sets you before people. And then these people, because they need a relationship with God, you are their point of contact. Okay, so their relationship with God is based on their encounters with you. Right. Because a lot of them are new converts. Right. You're out there. You're in the field. You're working. You're doing the work that God has asked you to do. You're putting your hand to the plow. People are coming into the church. You and your husband now have what is called a congregation. And many of these people will be new to the faith. You're going to get some that are seasoned, but most will be people who are new to the faith or who are babes in Christ. And what happens is that they need to experience their relationship with God through you. Uh Oh, that was a problem because I wanted my personal life and my public life to stay separate. But when you are that point of contact for many people to develop that relationship with God, it changes where you are changes your viewpoints on relationship change. So now you have to form relationships with people that you barely know, which is hard in and of itself. And then you have to go through an accelerated process of learning to trust people. And you can 
only do that through the power of God. See, one of the things that we have to realize is that God has to work these things out. You might be good at relationships already, but that still does not translate into what you will have to deal with in ministry. And so I want to share with you a scripture really quick. Ephesians 3 and 20. And this is the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You guys know this scripture well. God desires to work through you. God is able to do the work that he is asking you to do. And he wants to do it through you. And he wants to accomplish more than what you can ask and more than what you think. I want to encourage you that you are exactly where you are supposed to be at this very moment. God did not make a mistake despite feelings of inadequacy. He did not make a mistake in making sure that you are the first lady over the people that he has set before you. And I also want to share with you that this is only a moment. God will continue to work in you and he will continue to grow you into who you are supposed to be in him. This is only a moment. It will pass. God's power will grow in you. God is also working everything out for your good. Father God, we just want to thank you for your power, your love, your providence at this time. I thank you for blessing your mighty women of God. I thank you for calling them into the position of being a first lady. I pray, Father, that you would continue to endow them with your wisdom, with your love, with your grace, and with your power, Lord. I know that you can do it. I know that you are doing it. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me here on the First Lady's Hat. I want to just pray God's many blessings over you. I would love to be able to hear from you. I want you to find me on Facebook at Lady A Heart. That's L-A-D-Y-A-H-A-R-T. Lady A Heart on facebook.com or you can look for me online at ladyheart.org l-a-d-y-h-a 